0: So how do you like the big scandal for the SCOTUS nominee? It involves baseball.
1: It does involve baseball. Those Nationals tickets behind home plate, I read that they could go for 6000 a pop. Yeah, that's <laughs> really expensive. <laughs> yeah, I'd say you could get in debt pretty quick going for season tickets on those. Especially if you have a couple deadbeat friends who don't pay you back, you know?
0: Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I can see how it would happen, but I also don't know that I would ever buy that many tickets for other people that I would be like overextended that
1: much like 60,000 in credit card debt. I generally think of lawyers as like pretty good deal makers and that seems like a pretty bad deal.
0: Well, I mean now he's a judge so he <laughs> couldn't make it in the world of prosecution.
1: <laughs> Okay, so you're saying his deal-making is bad, so he's here. Mm, That does not inspire confidence, but okay. I assume that every other Bud Norris owner out there is just, their heart is just in their throat now that Matheny's been fired, because they might actually get a competent manager who knows not to use Bud Norris.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, Matheny has been fighting baseball analytics for just, just one too many years. Apparently,
1: <laughs> as a Norris owner, I am quite worried about this one. Yeah, they didn't use him in the first game out with the new manager. Yeah, yeah. I'm worried.
0: Who? Well, so who's got the closer role then? Nobody.
1: They don't. I mean, that's the that's Norris's saving grace. Always is that there's just nobody else there.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, Norris's above replacement, and he is one Norris above replacement.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I like these new metrics. One Norris, yeah, he's one Norris above. (laughs) The the trade deadline is coming up, and we're going to talk about that as well. But I mean, if the Cardinals were actually contending, I'd be more worried about Norris's job because they might go out and get somebody.
0: They might. Well, they still might. I mean, if they were to just like come back from the All Star break and and go like win six out of the next eight. Like, they would be a legitimate contender. That's it's a, They're in a tough division, What though. if
1: they pick up Machado? If they do the Machado and Britain, like, pairing trade that people have kicked around for the Orioles?
0: Wow, that would be interesting. I'd like that team.
1: I know. Machado actually would be kind of fun for that team.
0: That would be a fun—that would be a good destination. I would like him to get out of the AL, especially the AL East. Yeah. <laughs>
1: He'd be fun in the NL. I think he'd be really fun in the NL.
0: Yeah, that'd be good in the NL. Why don't they just trade... Why don't they just do a Machado for Harper trade?
1: Ooh, that's an interesting one. Wouldn't that be fun? I think Bryce Harper... The only thing that I'm going to say about the All-Star game, because I don't don't really care about it very much, is that this is like Bryce Harper's chance to make sure that he never, ever leaves D.C. in his career.
0: Oh, yeah. Or this is the way that he
1: like punches his ticket out one or the other there's those are the only two options this week on the pod we're catching up on a little bit of a backlog we have a couple interesting segments and discussions that we had in the past that we didn't get a chance to post so we're going to post them here and do a couple updates in the first half i'm going to talk about my machine learning prediction of runs and just check in and see how it's been doing and then in the second half We're going to check in on some of the predictions that we made for players, for pitchers, who we thought might be hot and some that we didn't have any confidence in. So here we go. A couple of editorial notes. We recorded this segment on May 28th. We'll let you know when we're back to recording on July 16th. Believe it or not, we are actually at a point where machine learning linear regression problems are no longer a deep dive for us.
0: All right, Bernard. I mean, Arnold. (laughs)
1: pretty amazing and uh so i made a i made a key tuning choice here which was i folded in some regression not trying to predict anyone gets uh, charlie blackman's 134 runs from last year Nah. <laughs> so this gave me some sense of what's actually important so if you pursue runs wholesale like i've been doing seek out plate appearances maximize guys plate appearances then try to uh, if you have a choice with once you've maximized plate appearances look for maximize walks and then try to maximize hits. Okay. So it turns out walks are relevant. Also, it tells you that uh, it indicates that there's not a strong correlation with home runs and even less so with RBIs. Absolutely. Well, that's sort of what, what you said from the outset, um, just a gut feeling. <laughs> and this right. this confirms that.
0: Well, we had talked about this sort of at the beginning of last year. We were talking about the different player types. We are talking about the... Uh, Trevor Plouffe guys who are number five, number six in the order who can, well, no, perfect example, a guy who ends up like a bunch of seasons in a row with like 55 runs and 85 RBIs because he's batting fifth or sixth in the lineup every day and he is hitting for some power with some people on base and then... No one's getting him across.
1: Yeah, you're right. Home plate, and and maybe maybe what I'm missing is the holistic view. Because you're right, we did do a good analysis last year of the batting order importance. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've never folded into these models that I'm almost ready to fold in is the batting order information.
0: So how do we have to fold that in as like percent of plate appearances at a given at each of the nine positions
1: uh we actually can make an even more complex nested type model okay we could we could try to kiss though (laughs) or (laughs) i could spend three weeks to have a half-baked thing to explain to you Uh uh-huh right okay (laughs) all right you're right i'll keep it simple uh give me let me give you my greater than 100 run predictions from the model this year nice judge trout JD Martinez, Freddie Freeman, Brandon Belt, Mitch Haniger, Mookie Betts, Bryce Harper, Joey Gallo, Justin Upton, Manny Machado, Brett Lowry.
0: So you just wanted to keep me interested by saying Justin Upton.
1: Yeah. I uh, I should have put Justin Upton at the very end.
0: (laughs) Or at the start, so I would have just been like, oh no, this totally makes (laughs) sense. This is a great list. All that makes total sense. Other than already starting
1: to like highlight some of these guys on you. Most of these guys actually are on track for 100 with naive scaling. So if you scale them to 600 plate appearances, they're already on track. Um, Brett Lowry is the most obvious outlier. He is not anywhere near on track for 100. But he's been on fire in all the other categories. So the model is confused.
0: Yeah, I can, I can understand
1: that. Coincidentally, it turns out he hit his maximum in ownership last week. He's on the way back down, or, or temporary lull before he goes and creates a new. Maximum. Goes all the way, <laughs> goes all the way. All right, yeah. we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that one. Um, you highlighted a couple guys here. Uh yeah. I d- I don't agree with a couple of these. You highlighted guys that, um, let me just say, Justin Upton is on track to get less runs than Brandon Belt right now. Right
0: um i actually i so i highlighted Brandon Bell, Mitch Haniger, Joey Gallo and Brett Laurie because those are the players that to my naive ears are players that not or just in general thinking from playing fantasy those aren't guys that i would mm. expect to hit the 100 run plateau and i think that Justin Upton is probably like next in line there for those those players but that's not to say that I don't think that the belt number is legit. I think that he's he's gonna continue to have a nice season
1: if he doesn't get hurt. Very much agree. Um the model says Mitch Hanniger is the last one in to the to the mm-hmm. over one hundred club. Um and then it says Laurie and then Brandon Belt. Uh it loves Aaron Judge and Mike Trout. <laughs> like <laughs> Of course. Over like 130 for both of them.
0: What about Joe Gallo? I'm surprised that he's gonna get there. This might be a batting order thing, because I just don't think that he's gonna score that that many runs.
1: I, I mean I agree. Uh I think that if if we if I fold it in batting order, you might get there. But he's he's just getting the plate appearances and he's drawing blocks.
0: Yep. That <laughs> that also who knows if that's sustainable.
1: Almost certainly not. I mean, some of this, like, we're finally at the point where you you think that the scouting reports are pretty good. So even if somebody changed something in the off season, they should know how to pitch to these guys now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so know.
1: maybe we'll start to see this turn. I mean, maybe I'll rerun this model next week and it will be totally different.
0: <laughs> it most likely will be.
1: Except for the basic guys. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what I would bet. Like something crazy that that Mike Trouton and Mookie Betts are going to get there. <laughs>
0: And then you'd have to hedge really, really fast on like a thirty day DL stint. Uh, yes,
1: absolutely.
0: Thirty days on the ten day DL.
1: This model, this model thinks that Mike Trout could miss like a month and still get there. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's not bad. Uh, I mean, it happened with Aaron Judge, right? Like Aaron Judge did miss a huge amount and he still got there. Yep. In twenty seventeen. Well, he
0: was also terrible. You mean?
1: Yeah, the, I guess that's more what I mean. Even with even with that though, he still made it. All right, so zooming back to the current time, I reran the models for today, or when we're recording this, Monday, July 16th. I have a couple updates for you. I have the guys that are on track for over 100 runs and what the model thinks about nice. them. And then I have the guys nice. that the model thinks are on track for over 100 runs. So these are the updates. The model's actually showing quite a bit of convergence. Let me just give you the list of guys that it, that, are on pace for over 100 runs right now in 600 plate appearances. Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, Andrew Benintendi. First of all, three Red Sox. Nice. Christian Yelich, Francisco Lindor, Charlie Blackman, Ozzy Albies, Tommy Pham. Those guys are all on track for 100 runs. Is there anybody on that list that you don't think is going to make 100 runs this year?
0: I haven't been following Charlie Blackman enough this year, but I thought that there was... Was there an injury risk with him or something?
1: I mean, always, but he's he's already at seventy
0: three. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that, I think that all of those make make sense. One of those Red Sox players might fall off, but um,
1: all of them in a vacuum sound right. I know, I kind of felt that too. But interestingly, those again are the only guys in six hundred plate appearances. So a little bit of caveating here that are on track for a hundred runs. The model likes all of them. But then the model likes a few more guys as well for 100 runs. So here are the, here are the guys that right. the model likes. The model also likes Manny Machado, Freddie Freeman, Nolan Arenado, Mike Trout, Alex Bregman, Paul Goldschmidt, Aaron Judge, and Bryce Harper.
0: How much of the last, uh, the, the previous three seasons
1: is factored into this model? None. This is This is, well, it's trained on last year. So it's trained on 2017. It builds... Um, all of its knowledge base on last year, but the underlying metrics from guys. Uh And then it looks at those underlying metrics this year. So it has no clue about individual player performances last year, which is, I think, what you're worried about.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's pretty impressive that it's pulling out all those players who are, some of those are lagging behind a
1: little bit and coming back strong. The guy who's in the most danger of missing it, frankly, is Manny Machado. He's on the weakest pace right now.
0: Yeah, I know, and didn't we go through this exercise last week where we said, like, wow, Machado is looking pretty darn good? Oh, his
1: his growth chart is taking off, for sure. He wants that $100 million contract. He, he definitely does. The other two guys, then, Bryce Harper is of minor concern, and Freddie Freeman, those are the two guys that are on the, the okay. next weakest paces. Yeah. Everybody else is on, like, the a pace that I would totally believe that they're going to get over 100 runs, even if they're... Or Like, they're on a trajectory, even if they're not there now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could see one of those falling off, but I I wouldn't expect any
1: of them to fall off. And then just a quick reminder for everybody that the All-Star break this year is not the halfway point. So when you're looking at guys, do not just double their numbers right now. No. You have to look at how many games they've actually played and even better, how many plate appearances they've actually had. A while back, Eric and I were looking at some of the ownership charts, and I noticed that it happens to look like an error function. Then I had a few thoughts about error functions. It's a total error function. that is one of your favorite functions. It really is. And that's how you know that you are just way off the deep end when you're talking about your favorite function. (laughs) Okay. You're in it. Well, (laughs) you... Oh, man, that's bad. All right. The second half is a segment that we recorded on May 15th before we knew too much about the entire season and we discussed several pitchers. I'm going to give you some statistics from today, July 16th to give you a little bit of context for the discussion. Patrick Corbin has 149 Ks and a 2.81 FIP, 3.3 war. Sean Manea has cooled off quite a bit. He's sitting at one war. Blake Snell, we didn't view him as positively but he has turned out to be quite legit. Jay hap He's got 121 Ks so far, and he's already at 10 wins. You'll hear the number that we thought he wouldn't get to later. Max Scherzer already at 12 wins. Julio Tehran already at 7 wins. Lance McCullers already at 10 wins. Just to give you a little bit of an idea as you're listening through to some of the totals that we predicted. So here we go. Here's my spin on strikeouts are increasing in the league. And I wanted to think about it by the number this this. Figure that i have above this is the number of strikeouts per game based by year so the indexes are a little funky six is 2018 here (laughs) so it runs it's it's points from 2012 to 20 to 2018 um and what you can see is that in 2012 we averaged 7.5 strikeouts a game we're up a full strikeout more than a full strikeout in 2018 talking 8.7 ish per game
0: but what's the um yeah that's per Uh game but how many of those are now captured by relievers well middle relievers specifically
1: well what an interesting question to ask the next figure down starting pitchers this is the number of k's that is that a starting pitcher gets so you can see that that number is actually flat over the past roughly flat over the past four years while the total number of strikeouts is increasing. So you take these two together and it means that your relievers are driving all of the all of the increase in strikeouts.
0: Which makes sense.
1: Yeah, because you have there are a lot of relievers out there
0: um, who can come in and get a bunch of strikeouts. (laughs) Some of them aren't are very good. Like, who's your guy? Um, uh, Zach, Zach Duke. Yes, come on, man. Zach Duke is averaging what? Oh, like more than 27 Ks per yeah, nine. he's also garbage.
1: <laughs> I, I know, but he got he got seven strikeouts in his first two innings of work. Yeah. It's crazy. The, uh, yes. I mean, th- it, this, this really does serve to highlight that, um, that your point, which is that a huge amount of these strikeouts are coming from middle relievers. I'm still coming at this in a traditional sense. So I'm gonna let you, if you want to, take charge of discussing the the middle reliever rise. I'm still coming at this from you know traditional build, like build your team with just your starters and your closers and try and grab your strikeouts that way. And so for me it's kind of a question of which are the which are the starters that you really want? What are the simple numbers that you should be looking for in starters? Because I still get the lion's share of innings. Yeah, absolutely. And especially in a league where you're partitioned by starting pitchers and relief pitchers, this would be different if you had mm-hmm. full-on pitcher slots.
0: I like the pitcher slots.
1: I do too, but I but you know we have to play to the realities of our game. <laughs> Yeah, no, nope. and so I so gotcha. fine. I mean, I'll caveat this entire statement by saying, like, if you have open pitcher slots, that maybe the things that I'm saying aren't as impactful for you.
0: Uh, so random pitchers doing well: Manaya Hap, Snell, Corbin. Any of these you want to talk about? Um, Corbin. Right, we talked about him a lot last week. I I almost didn't include him because we talked about yeah. him so much last week.
1: I. <laughs> it's funny. I mean. I want. I want to, you know, point out that I think Corbin is is legit. Um, I think Hap is an interesting one because he has this. He now has a track record of sustained success, but he's the kind of guy that you look at him and you're like, "Why is he doing? Yeah, that? exactly. What is going on here? Sean Manea's stats are just bolstered by a no hitter. Absolutely. I mean, We shouldn't we shouldn't diminish the no hitter, but like that will small number statistics. Six starts in, that's really gonna affect you.
0: And then you don't play you don't believe Blake Snell. I don't believe Blake Snell.
1: I don't I don't know what to do with Blake Snell. I always I think that he's better than his previous years have indicated, Mm -hmm. but he's not this start. Not this start, no,
0: definitely not. Yeah, and Hap I think is going to fall back to Earth, but it's not going to be too far. I mean, his
1: K number is just insane right now. Um, and that's that's not something he should be. No, doing. No, he should not be. Well, I mean, yeah, he's <laughs> he's not a twelve K per nine kind of guy. That's that's absolutely correct. No, he is not. Patrick Corbin, maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. The Humanoid is affecting only him. <laughs> so you'd invest in Corbin. <laughs> I would invest in Corbin. Well, I have already put my money where my mouth is, so I'll, I'll say invest in Hap. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, Hap would be a close second for me, but just don't, you know, don't expect too much from him. Yeah. Would be what I would say.
0: This says 13. 13
1: feels fair, right? So in the, in the context of this model, that's, that's a mediocre number of wins.
0: Yeah. It's, that'll be interesting. What's, What's funny to me, though, is, like, I just don't see 13 wins as, like, happening with him. I see, like, 9 or 17, you know?
1: <laughs> well, I will say, I mean, I, I did try to construct... Uh, so I constructed probability density functions for the parameters to try and assess how how tight the correlation was. And this is how I figured out that innings pitched and games started weren't very important because they, they weren't very peaked. They were, the model was only weekly dependent on them, but it, but they could have a huge range of parameters in that. So the next step is to try and make a probability density function for how many wins I think actual players are going to get. And I would guess, I don't know for sure, but I would guess that J haps distribution is incredibly shallow and broad whereas somebody like Max Scherzer's is going to be much more peaked around the the 17 that the model predicted. Right. Right, I see. But in the end, they only play one season, so I guess I had to central limit theorem this and uh, land on the the maximum likelihood estimator.
0: (laughs) But right, yeah, because it doesn't matter. I mean, like, this is not... This is a piecewise function because there are so few wins out there. This isn't like like strikeouts where it's like you're gonna guess within 10 strikeouts what the person's gonna get based on if you you predict the innings right i mean this is you could have the number of i mean max scherzer could have 220 strikeouts and somehow not get to 10 wins and that's happened
1: before no that that is very true and that's i mean that's that's really a great encapsulation of the end of this, right, is that winds are really hard to predict. <laughs> they're they're a, a scarce commodity that's few and far between, and it's really hard to figure out what to do about that.
0: Yeah, I like this. So which which one of these
1: are you going to want to put in the uh,
0: bet Hula box Tehran. that you believe your model? Julio motto? Tehran. Julio Tehran. So you're going to put it over-under at uh, at 12.5? Yeah, half? I'll
1: put the over-under at 12.5 on Julio Tehran easily. Wow. I'll take um, the over on that. All day. I
0: I can't I can't go against Julio. He may be the prodigal son, but I, I can't pick the other side of that.
1: <laughs> so we, we agree. We'll we just, agree.
0: We agree. He's gonna he's gonna go over everybody. Julio Tehran. I've never been more certain of anything <laughs> we'll in my we'll just life. give
1: everybody else out there the under.
0: It's definitely gonna get to thirteen wins. I think the one that you've got here which I think makes which makes the least sense to me um is the lance mccullers
1: interesting really
0: i don't think he's gonna get really wins this year and i think that that's that's all on how many innings he pitches that's all on how many games he's he's in and i think that there are a few players like that where you need to take that into consideration because he just gets hurt too much
1: yeah, I mean, you're right. The model is not aware of that. I made a choice about what the model should be aware of and and ignored innings pitched. Maybe if I fold innings pitched back in, he just plots. Maybe he's the guy that is yeah. affected by innings pitched.
0: But yeah, I mean, I see I see 12 and that's like you know, I I see him going like 12 4 and you know, over 20 <laughs> <laughs> game started.
1: But that would be hard to get 15. You about ready to wrap this sucker up? I am. Couple updates from the larger sporting world. Wimbledon finished. Yeah, the Tour de France is happening. The World Cup finished. We got a lot. All these Euro sports. <laughs> Which one are you the most invested in? Clearly, the World
0: Cup. Yeah, I was the most invested in. Uh,
1: I personally, big big fan of Wimbledon. I was really pulling for Serena. I thought that would have been a good a good win for her.
0: I I was pulling for her too. I mean. That is, it's pretty impressive that she's out there again dominating. But did you did you see that thing about it was there was um, no top ten women's player in the quarterfinals?
1: No, really?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure
1: that was the case. To be fair, yeah. To be fair, shouldn't Serena Williams like technically be in the top ten? Like people just weren't confident. I mean, she is probably still the best tennis player in the world.
0: Well, this is like our McCullers conversation. Like when he's healthy, he's a That's top ten pitcher. When he's when he's not healthy, which is most of the time, he's
1: not. All right, fair enough. Well, I think I think this this shows you that she also has just a great tennis mind, right?
0: Oh yeah, it's the uh, old man pickup game. Yes, <laughs>
1: old man pickup game. Way to phenomenon. get to on the court. She's. I mean, she she also a phenomenal athlete, but it helps that she's the old man pickup game. Um, and have you tuned into any Tour de France coverage? Are you gonna watch any bicycling
0: I don't know i I have not um tuned into it at all I'm in like a little bit of a lull right now after the World Cup trying to just enjoy that I may have to once I get to the Pyrenees that's when I like it
1: yeah you're a big big climb guy uh it was yeah. just stage ten today so you got some time got a little time good all right
0: well that about brings us to the review session i j1 Rages
1: of the Last Star. You no, know, you were mean to me when I picked Temple of Doom, but aren't you happy that this was the last one we watched? I mean, in a way, yeah. I, I think I think I was. So, since we watched them out of order, I was. I mean, I was just. I was amazed by the the action sequences. They were so smooth in this movie.
0: Well, I think that gets to the point that I wrote down here, which is. This movie is such an extension of Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Of, like, George Lucas is, like,
1: on his game.
0: Yeah, height of his powers. Managing the movie. Him
1: and Lawrence Kasdan. They're just, like, they're just invincible during this stretch.
0: Oh, yeah. And the movie does, I mean, they, they cut in, like, the slow scenes so well to have a little bit of that juxtaposition the professorial stuff the even like the start when you're walking through the jungle i mean like that's a just brings up the intensity the entire time
1: no the set pieces were perfect but i was struck about about halfway through the movie i realized like wow they stitched together some extremely disparate scenes and made this just one beautiful thing
0: oh yeah yeah so do you kind of feel like our models are doing exactly what the uh the arc is doing? Just sitting in storage?
1: <laughs> I I did feel that way about the machine learning one. Like I fired it up today and I was like, ah you know, a little little face melted, didn't really didn't really know what to do with the power.
0: Oh, face melt, yeah. Did you get your like that random um outfit on to like hop daddy hold-da, yeah. hop da holy da <laughs> the-
1: now, I I will say that the face melting scene is just a really bad moment for models. Like really that's that's one that primitive CGI could have done better, I think.
0: Well, nineteen ninety one Terminator two era would have been
1: would have been better. Agreed. I I agree that nineteen eighty one CGI would not have worked in there. Probably wouldn't have worked. They did the best they could just getting some wax models and melting them down.
0: Alright, so this was a pretty good movie. Oh yeah. Where were you taking us next week?
1: I got a spot that I want to take us. I, I don't know if you're ready for this. Oh god. I hmm I don't think that was warranted. I want to watch Gattaca. Perfect. I thought you might be I keep
0: that. on getting to like
1: Wednesday in a week and I'm like, ah why did we not why did I not mention Gattaca? <laughs> I know. I know I think we've both been thinking that just like slightly offset it like never raises to the level of like I should text Eric to make sure that we get this in
0: (laughs) well because I keep on being like "Ooh, no I want to surprise him I'm gonna do it this Monday (laughs) I'll just surprise him
1: (laughs) (laughs) then it comes time and then my mind just normally goes blank but today I was like thinking it very hard to myself like I need that Alright, time for a little housekeeping.
0: Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.